Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome tonight. The concerning link to Sydney's latest COVID death. Victoria's lockdown to be extended, but for how long? South Australian restrictions return with new Adelaide cases. And a look into the future England opens up after reaching a vaccine milestone. But we begin with breaking news. The Australian government is tonight blaming China for a hack on Microsoft Exchange email service software and accusing Beijing's Ministry of State Security of using con contract hackers to target companies. Political reporter Jennifer Beshwari joins me now. Jen, this is a very firm message to the Chinese government. It is, Anja. Tonight, Australia has joined America and other allies in condemning China for malicious cyber attacks. We're expecting the US government to tonight expose in detail the Chinese government's role in these attacks around the world, including uh, this year's hack of the Microsoft Exchange email software. Businesses and governments around the world were caught up in this massive attack, which compromised systems. Now, in a statement from both the Home Affairs Minister and Defence Minister tonight. It reads uh, that they express serious concerns about malicious cyber attacks by the Chinese Ministry of State Security. Chinese Ministry exploited vulnerabilities in the Microsoft Exchange software to affect thousands of computers and networks. Uh, the Australian government is seriously concerned about uh, these reports uh, from our international partners that China is engaging contract hackers who have carried out cyber attacks. Uh, for intellectual property theft, for personal gain and to provide commercial advantage to the Chinese government. Now, this is a big step from the Australian government and is the culmination of months of work from the Australian government, but also US intelligence agencies, NATO and Five Eyes. We are being assured tonight from the Australian government that our cyber defences remain strong, but we can't be complacent. And, and no doubt China uh, will respond to the these reports tomorrow and has been the case previously will deny that it carries out these cyber attacks. No doubt. Okay, thank you for that breaking news, Jen Beshwati. A fifth person has died in Sydney's COVID outbreak. A woman in her 50s was found dead at her home in Green Valley today. The tragic news comes as New South Wales recorded 98 new cases. Of those, 67 were detected in Sydney's southwest, the epicentre of the current outbreak. 54 were in isolation through their infectious period, but 20 were infectious in the community. 17 were partially isolated and seven are under investigation. Tom Hartley is live for us in Sydney this evening. Tom, what more do we know about this woman's death? And we know that this 57-year-old was the mother of Roni and Ramzin Shorka and those two 27-year-old twins are two of the three removalists who took that ill-fated trip out to the state's central west whilst infectious, uh, allegedly not knowing that they had breached the public health orders. They said that they 
uh, were innocent and that this was just uh, lost in translation. Regardless, they were picked up by police out in Molong, escorted back to their home. It's about a four-hour drive back to Green Valley. And it's there, it's assumed that they'd uh, transferred the virus onto their mother, who was also at home at the time. Her health has deteriorated in that time since last Friday, but it wasn't until about nine o'clock this morning that uh, police received a call for a concern for welfare. Now, when they arrived and paramedics arrived there, obviously quite a traumatic scene. The, the boys uh, and the family had to isolate in cars out in the street. They were visibly distraught as uh, paramedics, paramedics there, health authorities, uh, declared their mother uh, dead inside the house and also COVID infectious. And her body was taken away this afternoon as the police investigations began uh, looking into questions like, why wasn't she in hospital? Why did it take so long for health authorities to be alerted to her illness? Now, regardless of any um, allegations of any concerns there, uh, you really have to, your heart really does go out for these, um, these men and their family. This woman was a matriarch of the family. She was well known, she was well loved. Uh, this is indeed a, a tragic loss, regardless of how you look at it. Uh, the fifth person to lose their life during this current outbreak, this current COVID outbreak in New South Wales. Heartbreaking and so young. Okay, Tom Hartley in Sydney for us. Thank you. It is the announcement Victorians were anticipating. The five-day lockdown will be extended. The question remains, though, for how long? Estelle Greerpink is in Melbourne for us tonight. Estelle, when is the Premier expected to give more details? Good evening, Ange. We won't have to wait too long. We're expecting a press conference tomorrow. All of this really hinges on results that are being processed overnight to do with those established clusters in our community. Now, as you say, we weren't quite surprised to find out we were going to have this lockdown extended. After all, here in Victoria, we've gone through this five times now. Our chief medical officer today said there's no guarantee that we will beat this Delta variant, and that's why it's so important we give this lockdown a red-hot go. Our Premier Daniel Andrews has said while lock, lock, lockdown 5.0 is difficult, it is warranted. Let's take a listen now to what he's had to say. We have to make sure that we continue to avoid this thing running wild and I'm determined to do that. I know it's frustrating, I know everyone would love to have a timeline and absolute certainty right now. One thing we can be certain of is we have, through the sacrifice and the effort we've all made over these last four days, um, we have avoided much, much worse. So, Ange, we had 16 new cases in the community today and we've got almost 16,000 people isolating. All we have to do now is wait to find out about tomorrow's numbers and just find out how long that may mean we're in lockdown for. Estelle, new exposure sites have been added to the list tonight. How many are we looking at now? 318, Ange, and they stretch all the way from Phillip Island right up to Mildura in the Mallee. And we do have a lot more Tier 1 sites that have been added tonight, including Coles, Glenferry in Hawthorne and the Good Life Health Club in Paran. There's also updated information for people who are at Amy Park and also the MCG earlier in the week. Some people who were there are now being told to get retested, and that's because of new evidence that shows there could have been transmission between sports fans who weren't sitting close to each other and all of that information is on the Victorian government website and okay thanks so much Estelle Greerpink tougher restrictions will come into effect in South Australia as the state races to stop the spread of three local COVID cases let's cross to Mike Smithson in Adelaide for us tonight Mike what are the restrictions
Lange, it's not a full lockdown, but I'll tell you what, it's not far off. From midnight, dining is confined to outdoors and all people must be seated. Stand-up drinking is banned. Gyms will be forced to close, so will non-essential retail and personal care services, and that includes hairdressers. And masks are now mandatory in high-risk settings and on public transport. Also, team, club and contact sports, well, they're obviously off-limits. Private gatherings, including weddings and funerals, are capped at 10. But if there is any good news from this, parents, well, you'll be happy. Schools remain open for now. Health authorities, well, they've seen what's happened in the state, especially in Sydney, and they don't want those numbers escalating here. So, Mike, are they confident that they're going to get on top of these three cases? Well, the good news is that they think it's an early detection, but there's no use assuming everything is under control at this stage, only to find out it's already in the wider community with pubs and clubs only recently back on the right path. Now, they've all been screaming out for greater relaxation after having had a tough year, so this will obviously come as a bit of blow, but contact tracing is in full swing. There are some missing links. For instance, the man has been here for 10 days but only developed symptoms over the weekend, so where did he catch it? And one active case this morning, that escalated to three by this afternoon. And if it's as virulent as it seems, that could soon spread quickly with more exposure sites constantly being identified here in Adelaide. So tense hours and days ahead, Ange. Yes, indeed. OK, thanks so much, Mike. A Perth mother has admitted intending to harm her baby son by pouring bleach into his feeding shoe. In a last-minute twist, Brooke Lucas changed her plea to guilty today, but she denies the original charge of attempted murder. William, who also suffers from a chronic illness, spent 17 nights in Perth Children's Hospital. He recovered, but his mother is banned from seeing him. Six people are in hospital tonight after a car and tram collided in Melbourne. The incident occurred at Coburg around 6.30. All of the occupants of the car had to be freed by emergency services. Two are in a serious condition and two others are critical. And a woman has died after being hit by a car near Endeavour Hills on Melbourne's Monash Freeway. The 63-year-old Good Samaritan was struck by a ute after getting out of her car to help a driver caught up in an earlier collision. No one has been charged and the ute driver is helping police with their inquiries. The rest of the AFL season could see a major shake-up after a COVID scare. Excuse me, with pressure mounting for the creation of a com competition bubble. Joel Dry is in Brisbane. Joel, this comes after more than a dozen players were forced into isolation. Yeah, it's all getting very messy for the AFL, Ange, and it has to be said, through no fault of the competition or the players, as more and more of those footballers get caught out by the COVID situation in Melbourne. The latest, Western Bulldogs player Josh Dunkley. He will now have to do 14 days quarantine after making a trip to his local cafe at just a very unfortunate time. Uh, several other players from multiple clubs will also go into isolation after they all attended the Wallabies test in Melbourne last week. It is very complex now for the AFL. We already have a number of teams basing themselves here in Queensland, but AFL boss Gil McLaughlin has previously said he 
wants to avoid a entire bubble for the competition up here in the Sunshine State like we saw last year. But with the lockdown extending in Melbourne, more cases and now more games to be played in front of no crowds in Melbourne, an entire competition shift up here to the Sunshine State is looking more and more likely. It is something our Deputy Premier said he will look at, but also warned it will take plenty of planning. The AFL are cooperating uh, very, very strongly. They understand uh, how important it is for them to be able to move, move their games around and, and keep their season going. So, uh, look, obviously, uh, the, the greater the, the risk, the greater the concern and uh, the more work that needs to be done to keep the competition going, keep other players safe, uh, keep the community safe. The AFL... We know that the AFL was saved by Queensland last year. Whether or not we have to step in and do that again will all depend on how these cases fall in the next couple of days in Victoria. And Joel, tonight you also have an update on families of NRL players wanting to travel to Queensland. Yeah, this is good news, And Families will be reunited here in Queensland after the NRL and uh, Queensland Health came to an agreement. The NRL able to draft a plan that satisfied Queensland Health to bring those families up here to Queensland at no risk to the community. NRL boss Andrew Abdo sent out an email to impacted players and their families saying uh, that this would happen. They will now travel on Wednesday and first isolate in an NRL hotel uh, on sur in Surfers Paradise for 14 days after which point they will then go to their respective uh, partners' resorts uh, spread across the Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast and here in Brisbane. So good news for those families and it certainly is looking more and more likely that the NRL is planning to have the entirety of the competition play out here in Queensland and also likely the finals and, of course, the grand finals. So we certainly are doing a lot of heavy lifting for professional sport here in uh, Queensland. Indeed. OK. Thanks so much, Joel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Indonesia is becoming the epicentre of the pandemic in Asia. The death toll has almost doubled in the past few weeks. More than 1,000 people are dying a day. 2.8 million cases have been reported in Indonesia since the start of the pandemic, with 72,000 fatalities. At least 31 people are dead after monsoonal conditions in the Indian city of Mumbai. Two separate landslides have claimed lives, flattened homes and trapped people under rubble. Heavy rainfall is expected to continue for the next five days. The city is bracing for more casualties. German Chancellor Angela Merkel has visited the regions devastated by recent floods. Europe correspondent Sarah Greenalt is in Germany. Sarah, Merkel said she was horrified by what she saw. And good evening. She did. Visiting one of the hardest hit villages in Germany, Schult. Angela Merkel said that there were no words she could think of in the entire German language to accurately describe the level of destruction. The official toll from this flooding disaster, the death toll rather, stands at 188. That is people who have lost their lives here in Germany and also in Belgium. A tiny bit of good news is that the number of missing has dramatically reduced from the weekend. Uh, over the weekend we were hearing figures around 1,300 
200 people unaccounted for. Slowly, as mobile phone networks have been restored, that number has dramatically decreased, but rescue crews are still out searching for victims. Angela Merkel is stepping down from the top job in September when this country heads to the polls for a federal election, but she's determined to lead the nation out of this crisis, saying that a recovery package will be announced within days. She also, at this press conference, spoke about the need for greater action across the world on climate change. There has been so much talk from European politicians over the past few days about how climate change uh, has led to this extreme weather. Entire homes, uh, businesses, livelihoods have been swept away in so many of these towns and villages, and so it will take them uh, years to recover. OK, and I guess in some happier news, England has celebrated so-called Freedom Day, although there are some concerns about this. There are rising COVID-19 case numbers. And people here in Germany and right across uh, Europe are looking on at the UK or England this morning. The pictures that have come out overnight are pretty bemused at what they're seeing. So Boris Johnson's government has essentially scrapped all legal requirements on social contact. There is no more mask mandates. Masks are purely voluntary. It is a, a case of personal responsibility. People are heading back to the office for the first time since March 2020. Uh, as of next month, if you are fully vaccinated and you are pinged by the National Health Service app as a close contact, of someone with COVID-19, you will no longer have to self-isolate. And for the first time since March last year, nightclubs have reopened. So we've seen some pretty jubilant scenes in London overnight. Take a listen at the thoughts of some Brits. I want to dance. I want to hear live music. Yes, it feels like Freedom Day. It really, really does. It's nice to be out, but like at the end of the day, it's all going to result in some sort of impending doom. Are they going to put us back in a lockdown? Yeah, I don't that's know. what I'm worried about is that we're going to be back into another lockdown yeah. afterwards. But... So we're going to make the most of this? Yes. <laughs> Impending doom, that is something that a lot of people are worried about, Ange. Boris Johnson's line is, if not now, then when, when it comes to this full reopening. Of course, the thing that they are uh, pegging their hopes on is the vaccine rollout. 90% of British adults have now had one jab, two-thirds have had two, but these cases are steadily rising and the Chief Health Officer has warned that if it continues to climb at this rate, we could see daily hospital admissions come mid-August uh, at between 1,000 and 2,000 per day. So so plenty of people of the opinion that this is a very risky real-life experiment. Yeah, an experiment that the whole world will be watching. OK, thanks so much, Sarah. Just days out from the Tokyo Olympics, we've had our first exclusive look at the opening ceremony. Blake Johnson is in Tokyo for us tonight. Blake, these games are being held under a COVID state of emergency. How different will this opening ceremony be? Andrew, we've seen in the build-up to these games just how different they will be. Whether the opening ceremony reflects that remains to be seen. A dress rehearsal has been completed. It was so strict that access to the entire stadium precinct was off-limits for everyone. They did release a short, exclusive clip of what we can expect to see on Friday night. The theme for this year's opening ceremony is moving forward, but a spokesperson for Tokyo 2020 told me today that is all they will tell us about Friday night's spectacular. An enormous TV audience guaranteed. Unfortunately, the audience in the stadium, almost nothing. Just a handful of VIPs present, including the Japanese emperor who will open the show, plus a couple of international politicians, including French President Emmanuel Macron. Paris hosts the next Summer Olympics in 2024. 
And Blake, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, she's landed in Tokyo. She's copped a lot of heat about this trip. She says she had to be there to secure the 2032 Games, even though Brisbane is literally the only contender. When is this controversial meeting? Well, it needs to be soon, Ange, because the announcement is coming on Wednesday that'll decide the 2032 host city. It has been a very controversial trip for the Queensland Premier. A petition, an online petition with more than 130,000 signatures calls for the permission for her to travel here to be denied. Upon returning to Australia, Anastasia Palaszczuk will be required to complete two weeks of hotel quarantine, but she will not be included in the cap on returned travellers that was recently halved. It should be noted she is also travelling with the Federal Sports Minister Richard Colbeck plus the Brisbane Lord Mayor and the head of the Australian Olympic Committee, John Coates. Ms Palaszczuk claims if she doesn't come here to Tokyo, the Brisbane bid could fall through at the last minute. OK, thanks so much, Blake. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. The Morrison government will put an extra $3 million towards mental health support for young Victorians who are struggling in what is their fifth lockdown. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton has more on this. Gem, where exactly is this money going? Well, there's actually more money going towards it because in addition to the federal government money, the Victorian state government is also putting in $3 million. And this is going to help fund Headspace clinics around Victoria, Headspace being the National Youth Mental Health Service. And it's to give extra staff for the next six months or so. Now, this comes on top of millions of dollars that was given by both state and federal government last year during Victoria's lockdowns as well. But that's because the money is really needed. You might make it through the first lockdown through depression anxiety, financial stress, but the effect is really cumulative. So many people who are now in their fifth are having a much more difficult time than we saw people having a year and a half ago. So what else is the government doing to try and support people's mental health? In this year's federal budget in May, there was an extra $2.3 billion set aside for mental health. Around half a billion of that was going towards adult mental health services, uh, around a quarter of a billion going towards youth mental health, and then various sums towards treatments and therapies and services. The New South Wales and federal government have also put around $17 million in recently to help with fallout from the Greater Sydney lockdown. Generally speaking, if we look back over the past two decades, a lot of additional money has gone into mental health funding from both state and federal governments, but it's necessary because the demand for these services has even outpaced the extra money, not necessarily because there has been such a huge upswing, but there's also been a recognition of people that they have 
a condition that they might need help with, an acknowledgement that they can reach out and get support. And so many more people looking for that support than we've seen in the past. And probably coming off a pretty low base. Um, also, the banks are getting on board, trying to help with people's mental health. Yes. So over the weekend, the banks are released a whole suite of measures to help people get through the latest lockdowns. <clears throat> Even if you're not in a lockdown area else around the country, you could very well be impacted, for instance, tourism providers. As part of those measures, many of them are offering mental health support as well. And if you're on the phone to your bank asking for various um, financial assistance and explaining your financial stresses, the person you're speaking to will obviously understand your situation and be in quite a good position to direct you towards more help or offer you some options at least. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Thanks, Ange. I'm joined now by former National Mental Health Commissioner, Professor Ian Hickey. Professor, thanks for joining us. Do you think the government is doing enough to prevent a mental health crisis from Australia's ongoing lockdowns? No. We and many others made it clear to the government back in mid-2020 that we needed to put services in place, programs in place in 2020 to prevent a deterioration of mental health in 2021. So, like other aspects of the pandemic response, we're late, but there certainly is a focus on it now. Well, the first things the government did do in terms of economic support through JobKeeper, JobSeeker and housing support and social support were very important. Of course, they largely wound up in March this year. So now that we're back in the lockdown situation, economic support is critical, but so are mental health services and so are supports through education and in our local communities. What are we seeing being borne out in the community? The economic and particularly the social disruption has been nationwide. So the lockdowns have affected everybody. The situation was made worse in Victoria by the extended lockdown last year and the repeated lockdowns, and we saw that in the mental health figures in Victoria. But the problem exists in New South Wales and in South Australia and across the country, particularly amongst young people, casual workers, and particularly those who can't afford to go and buy psychological services for themselves. What is going to be the repercussions of not doing enough here? We've already seen marked rises in anxiety, now in depression and things like eating disorders and drug and alcohol problems. Fortunately, we have not to date seen significant rises in suicide and we're very grateful for that. And that probably reflects the degree of economic support that was provided last year. But suicide attempts, presentations to emergency departments, pressure on mental health services, particularly amongst young people, are really large. So it's young people whose educational worlds, social worlds have been most disrupted that have been most affected. How long do you think we could be seeing the impacts in mental health in Australians? Well, unfortunately, the psychological injury associated with these problems doesn't go away. If you've lost your family business, if your marriage is broken down, if you've developed a mental health problem as a teenager, it doesn't go away simply because the lockdown is open, is over. So we're going to see these problems for some years to come. What is your advice for those who are struggling or if you know someone who is struggling? First, we all need to realise our mental health's been affected and staying connected for those of us who don't have overt mental health problems is the most important thing. OK, well, thank you for your time tonight, Professor Ian Hickey. Thank you. And if you are struggling, you're not alone and there is help available. You can contact Lifeline's 24-hour telephone crisis line on 13 11 14. Now, Gemma Acton's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Andrew. Investor confidence has sunk in the past week with Asian share markets today picking up where Wall Street left off last Friday, swimming in red ink. Our local ASX 200 clocked up its worst session in four weeks. And it doesn't look like there'll be any respite in US markets tonight either, with all three major indices pointing lower on rising fears over the growth outlook for the global economy.
Oil prices are also sagging, hit by fears the spread of COVID will soften demand for global travel and after producers agreed to lift production next month. And in good news for local exporters at least, the Aussie dollar is continuing to slip after tumbling below 74 US cents last week. Ange. Thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Angela Cox. Good night.